Okay. So you know that the whole the the matter of Ein Mukdamu Muhaba Torah is discussed in the Gemara in Psachim, specifically in relationship to Pesach Sheni, and Pesach Sheni is discussed in our parasha, right? In in the parasha that we are that we are learning, and it says here that that's Baha'alotcha, right? In the parasha Baha'alotcha. This Pesach Sheni. So if you look at the Psukim, if you look at the Psukim in the beginning of Perak Tet, so it says this, By Daber Hashem El Moshe B'midbar Sinai B'shana Sheinit L'tzaitam Me'eretz Mitzrayim B'chodesh HaRishon Le'mor Now, B'chodesh HaSheinit L'tzaitam After all, we all know that they left Mitzrayim, it was Pesach. Pesach is the time of Yitziat Mitzrayim. So we are now a year later. A year after Yitziat Mitzrayim. And a year after B'chodesh HaRishon. And B'chodesh HaRishon, everybody knows, is Nisan. So that's great. The only, the only uh, problem is the first pasuk in the book of Bamidbar, which is not on the sheet, but is in the book of Bamidbar nonetheless, and that pasuk, I will read it to you. That pasuk says, Hashem al Moshe b'midbar Sinai be'ol mo'ed be'echad l'chodesh ha'sheni b'chodesh ha'shenit l'tzaitam me'eretz v'tzray. So in other words, the first pasuk in the book of Bamidbar refers to the date be'echad l'chodesh ha'sheni. Right, that's E-R. Right, be'echad l'chodesh ha'sheni is E-R. And the, and the Pasuk in Perak Tet refers to the date, refers to the date, B'chodesh Rishon, which is Nisan. So it not, doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that the order here is not chronological. Because first the Torah tells us things that happened B'chodesh Sheni, and then nine chapters later it starts talking about what happened B'chodesh HaRishon. Now Rashi Rashi sees this as a significant matter. Right? Something of great significance, even though you can't tell from the Rashi what Rashi says. Rashi nevertheless sees this as a significant matter, and I'll tell you why momentarily. So if you look at Rashi, Rashi says, Bechad lachodesh parasha sheberosha sefer lodem ra'ad iyar. He says, the beginning of the book of Bamidbar is referenced as Iyar, the second month of the year. Right? Chodesh Iyar. Lamadata she'ein seder mukdam u'murchar b'torah. Ein seder mukdam u'murchar b'torah. Which usually I explain as meaning there's no necessary chronological order. That is to say, usually it is chronological, as I pointed out to you. But there could be an exception. There could be an exception. And that exception, if we just like take it a little further into our own intellectual context, is not a pigam in Torah. It does not, it's not a, a, a defilement of the notion of Torah. Like if somebody would come and say, somebody would come and say, wow, God wrote the Torah, gave it to Moshe Rabbeinu, you would think that God would know that the first month came before the second month. 
And why would God say it? So, you know, so it's like if you're willing to enter into this kind of discussion, which is not something I advise. But Rashi says, Rashi says, okay, so you see that whatever perfection means when it comes to Torah Shebikhtav, like we have some idea. By the way, that idea was very much taught us by Rashi. We have some idea that the Torah Shebikhtav should be perfect. Or that, perhaps it's also correct to say, that it should not contain imperfections. What's an imperfection? What is an imperfection? What would you say? So I say, an imperfection is something I wouldn't do. Like, if you were telling the story of the Jews in Yitzhak Mitzrayim, you probably, I would probably tell the story of Chodesh HaRishon before I told the story of Chodesh HaSheni. So if I would have done it in the reverse, so some teacher in the fourth grade would have had a pencil and made a red mark and said, you are a fool, don't you know that the first month comes before the second month? So the, the, in the notion of imperfection is the anthropomorphizing of the Torah. Right? In other words, when you say there's something imperfect about the Torah, you mean... I wouldn't do that. Right? That's how you know it. How else do you know that something's imperfect? So it takes the Torah and then Chazal to say, to teach us that chronology is not a sign of imperfection. It's not a sign of imperfection. So if it's not a sign of imperfection, so what is it? What is it? So Rashi says, Rashi says, V'lama lo patach bizo. He says, Okay, so that, so fine, but why not? I mean, what 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 is so so bad about being reasonable instead of having to be theological and have some kind of clever argument that you can wage against your college chums? Like, what do you need this for? Why couldn't the Torah just have written it in order, and then I wouldn't have this problem? Rashi, Rashi says. Because there is a problem here. There is a problem that the Torah is dealing with in telling the story. Because the story is Gnutam Shal Yisrael, meaning, what does that mean? In other words, are there any stories in the Torah that, you know, in which Am Yisrael don't come out so well? <laughs> there are two or three, right? So, so whatever the gnut is, we're not we're not up to the gnut yet. But whatever the gnut is, uh, look another one. I mean, look the Jews uh, they they made the eagle. You know that was only uh, two books ago, right? The eagle is certainly nothing to be proud of, and that story is told extensively, right? But here, when Rashi says. Now, let's see. We'll get to your answer in a minute, which I think is correct. Because this is not the story only of doing Pesach. It's also the story of not doing Pesach. Because even though in the parasha, all we learn about is, like, it looks great. But they used to have to get the Korban Pesach. And then there are people who are Tmeim. They can't bring the Korban Pesach. They go to Moshe Rabbeinu and they say, 
make us a halacha that will enable us to do the Korban Pesach anyway, and he does that for them, he makes them a halacha, and they do the Korban Pesach, so doesn't that sound great? I mean, isn't that like, it's not Gnutam Shel Yisrael. The Gnutam Shel Yisrael is Michlal Hain Atalo made love. That since this is the only Pesach we ever heard of, we come to the conclusion that they never kept Pesach in the desert. And never keeping Pesach in the desert is Gnutan Shal Yisrael. So we get back to our original question. Okay, so it's Gnutan Shal Yisrael, even though it's Gnutan with a, like a Chochmah. You have to be, you have to be somewhat uh, clever to see that this is really uh, an insulting remark about Bnei Yisrael. It's not something that's obvious. So why is, so who cares? I mean, the Torah is replete with Gnutan Shal Yisrael. So the answer is, in this case, Gnutan Shal Yisrael would have had to be right at the beginning of the book of Bamidbar. And apparently, even though Rashi doesn't say it, and the Gemara doesn't say it, and only you say it, but I like it. Right? So that what he says, what the Pshat is, that Gnutan Shal Yisrael means, not only that it's a bad thing, but to put it at the beginning of the book of Bamidbar, in such a prominent place, such an exemplary kind of series of psukim, that would be too much. That the Torah did not want to do. And because Gnutan or whatever you say, Gnutan Yisrael, right? What's the Gnutan Yisrael about the Chet Egel? Remember the Chet Egel? So I have a Chumash. I'll tell you, I'll tell you there's a Posuk. There's a Posuk. What's Gnutan Yisrael? Huh? I mean, you told me what Gnutan Shal Yisrael is. What was that fancy word you said? Defend. Gnutan Shal Yisrael. Gnutan Shal Yisrael. So what? What's Gnutan Shal Yisrael? I mean, what does that do? I mean, we have the, the privilege of living in Israel, right? You open the radio every morning, and you see, oh, somebody else is not embarrassed. You know, it's like... It's like the only, it's just keeping, keeping the track record is difficult, but, but you know that they're not embarrassed, right? You know they're not embarrassed. So the story, the story of the Chaita Egel, the story of the Chaita Egel, and the, in this case, the, this story is, is, I think, prototypical. So they have to think about. We say, Gnutan Shel Yisrael. What is the, what is the last part of the story of Chaita Egel? Vata. Moshe Rabbeinu said, forgive them. HaKadosh Baruch said, no. And then Moshe said, yes. And they said, okay. Right, there's some kind of, a, kind of forgiveness issue. Like there's a forgiveness issue. There's a forgiveness issue. Vata lech nechei et ha'am. Pasuk Lamed Dalet. Perik Lamed Bet. Pasuk Lamed Dalet. In the book of Shemot. Vata lech nechei et ha'am. El asher dibarti lach. Go down to the people and do the things that we discussed. Where I remember B'nai Yisrael because they have to be punished. Because they've done things that are unacceptable. When they've de- denied 
or rejected the covenant. Beyond Pakdi, when I come to punish them, when I come to punish B'nai Yisrael, I'll remember the Chet Egel. A little of the punishment will also be for the Chet Egel. So this sets our mind, this sets our minds on understanding what the national, the idea of a national Chet is. Like that the people did something wrong for which there is no atonement on the spot. Oh yes, God can forgive them in a general way and allow them to continue doing what they are doing, but it's not as though the clock turns back and everything starts over again. That's what the Pasuk means. On that day, when God has to punish B'nai Yisrael, whatever happened in history, the Chet Egel is still going to be with them. So, G'nutan Shal Yisrael. There are all kinds of bad things that the Jews did that we don't know about. We don't know about. They weren't always nice to each other. They'd always say the right thing. And they didn't, you know, learn Shemirat HaLashon every morning. B'nai Yisrael in the Midbar. I'm talking about the B'nai Yisrael in the Midbar. But the things that are written as G'nutan Shal Yisrael, they can't be eradicated. There's something wrong. There's a flaw. And dealing with the flaw of the nation is something that's overwhelming. It's an absolutely overwhelming responsibility. But that's what Rashi says. Rashi says, to put Gnutan Yisrael at the beginning of the book of Bamidbar and not to bury it in the ninth chapter, I mean it only sort of like in a uh, kind of uh, literary sense, would be too much for us to bear. Can you imagine if the Chet Egel was put in the Torah at the beginning of the book of Ayikra? That would be terrible. The fact that it's, it's buried. You know that it's buried, the Chet Egel? You never noticed it? Truma and Tetzave. What are they about? Mishkan. Mishkan. Building the Mishkan and... The big the Kahanim, right? The big God. And Vayakal Pekude, what are they about? What? Same thing. Same thing. Good. Same thing. Excellent. What? And then where's the Chet Egel? In Kitisa. Right now, if I gave you one of these exams, so what's Kitisa about? Oh, it's a little bit about the Mishkan. There's a little bit of counting B'nai Yisrael. All kinds of things, right? And then in the middle of all of that, is the worst thing that ever happened to the Jewish people, right? In the middle of all that. So you say, you say, uh, I mean, should we talk about this? Is this the way you talk about the Torah? But the, if you have a little bit of literary sense, right, you have a little bit of literary sense, it looks like, the, to me, like the story of the ego was almost too difficult to put anywhere. It was just too oppressive, the idea. So it's buried. It's buried. Instead of being its own parasha, its own story, its, its, its tremendous depression, the Chaita Egel, like you could miss it. You know, Kitisa, it's a long parasha. There are two long aliyahs at the beginning. So you could miss it as you go along. Buried in the book of Shemot. This story of Gnutan Shel Yisrael is buried in the book of Bamidbar. In order to bury it in the book of Midbar, the, the, the Torah had to change the chronology. Because if the chronology would have been intact, 
the story would have had a prominent place at the beginning of the book of Amidbar, and that, the, 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 that was not what the Torah wanted to do. Now, there's a question that derives from Rashi that is answered by the Tosafot in Kiddushin. And that question is, what's the Gnut? Right? What's the Gnut? It's true that Rashi says, that's a kind of a gnut. First of all, but in any event, we don't really know this. All we know is that the Torah doesn't say anything about it. The Torah didn't say. The Torah doesn't say, oh, 38 years, you know, you guys didn't do, uh, uh, you didn't bring a carbon, didn't want to bring up carbon, didn't make efforts to bring up It doesn't say anything about the carbon. There's a Tosun in Kedushin. And if you turn over the page, or you turn the page, turn the page, the page, the Tosun says this. We don't have to learn the whole Tosun, but we'll learn, we'll get the idea of what Tosun is annoyed with, and then you can learn it on your own. The Pashat Ba'alotcha, Al B'chodesh Rishon, Pesh Rashi, the Parashasha Barosha, Sevilo Nemral, Yad Iyar, Lamada Tashem Muktam Muchaba Torah. That's Rashi. So, this to me looks like a quote. Right? Right? You know when Tosun quotes Rashi, it's not always like a computer quoting another computer. Sometimes there's a little difference here or there, but basically this is a quote. Right? So up to here, we don't have to explain anything. So Tosus says, Tosus is related to Rashi, right? They're the same Beit Midrash. They're almost learning together. I mean, it's true that Rashi died before most of the Balea Tosus, but they're all part of the same tradition. They all learn the same thing. They all do this with their thumbs. They, it's all the same, right? They're all in the same, in the same deal. So he says, Im Tomar, Im Tomar, I guess means somebody said it. Somebody could ask this question. It's like a pedagogical trick. Instead of my telling you the answer, so I ask you a question, and then the answer really sounds very good. So he says, Lama loi krivu. So how come? Why didn't B'nai Yisrael give the Korban Pesach? Yesh lama desfilu ketana dahacha dama shekol makosh neemar bi'ah eina elach hayyushah v'yeshiva u'bepesach neemar bi'ah. What's bi'ah? Ki tavo el ha'aretz. There are a lot of mitzvot about which the Torah says ki tavo el ha'aretz. Of all of those mitzvot, it means that the desert is not the right place to do it. You should do it in Eretz Yisrael. Certainly, Korban Pesach, which was associated with Mishkan, Mikdash, etc., should be. So that's what they thought. That's what they thought. Vim tomar ben heyachik krivugam Pesach zeh. So if you come and say to me, say if you're really not supposed to give the common Pesach until you go to Eretz Yisrael, so how come nobody said that this Pesach, the Pesach at Perak Tet, was so different, the special, unique, it was like a regular Pesach from there, from what you see in the Torah. So how'd they do that? So here, I tell us making all kinds of assumptions. And, uh, and the assumption tells us, how could Yoshua bin Nun have given the Korban Pesach when he came to Eretz Israel? How, uh, after all, it was before, before, Nech Bishah, Ve Nech Haaretz, which means, 
So what it tells you, that he figures, we all know this, right? It's a Rav Chaim someplace. <laughs> right? And we all know this. What do we know? That coming to Eretz Yisrael means Nichbisha V'nechlika. That's what it means. It doesn't mean you're a tourist. Right? It means you took possession of Eretz Yisrael. <laughs> Right? the question. It's got to be uh, like a tricky question. During those 14 years, where were B'nai Yisrael? They were in the desert. They were in the desert. What's the desert? What's the desert is when you didn't get to where you're supposed to get to. So the first 14 years in Eretz Yisrael, even though it looked like they were in Eretz Yisrael, they really weren't. Because they couldn't do the mitzvot of Eretz Yisrael. They had not yet conquered the land. They had not divided it up. And therefore... And therefore they weren't in Eretz Yisrael. Not the way the Torah wants them to be in Eretz Yisrael. So if they weren't in Eretz Yisrael, they were still in the desert, they shouldn't have given a carbon Paschal in the days of Yoshua ben Nun. That's what Tosfut says. Right? Now this is a chicken's way out. Yeshlomar has an answer. Which means, God told him to do it. God told him to do what? This Pesach that we're talking about in the second year. And then again, Yoshua ben Nun. And it was the odd Pesachim that were kept by Bnei Yisrael before the Kibush and the Chalukah of Eretz Yisrael were like exceptions. What does the Ramban call that in his introduction to the book of Bamidbar? Mitzvot Sha'ah. Mitzvot Sha'ah. So Pesach was a Mitzvot, mitzvot Sha'ah. It wasn't the Pesach of Dorot. It was like a special Pesach. Why? We'll see. But it was special. It wasn't uh, like, didn't fit in exactly into the system because for the next 38 years or 37 years, they didn't do Pesach. And then again, they had a special Pesach that was Yoshua bin Nun. And after that, we finally the Chalukah, the Eretz Yisrael, and the, the Mikdash, the Mishkan, then they did, then they did Pesach. Okay? Kevan. So his Tosus finally got to it. So he says, so if I just proven to you that really B'nai Yisrael should not have done the Pesach while they were in the desert, and the Kasha is, how could they do the Pesach? And how could they do the Pesach again in the time of Yoshua ben Nun? So what's Rashi talking about? What kind of gnut? What is the embarrassment to B'nai Israel? Here they went overboard. They, they, they did a mitzvah. They didn't have to do. They went beyond, uh, beyond the letter of the law. And even if you say it was because God directed them to do that, so Adarabu, that's great. I mean, how can you beat that? That's what Tosfus asks. V'yesh lomar, da'ainu gnutan. So here's Tosus against the wall, and he says, when the Gemara says, when Rashi says, there was Gnutam Shal Yisrael, the Gnutam Shal Yisrael was that there was a 37 year hiatus. Because you see that as soon as Bnei Yisrael went to Eretz Yisrael, what was the first command that they received, according to the Tosfos way of looking at it? 
to make Pesach. So if making Pesach was the first command that they received, the Chaita Egel, and the, the punishment of not going to Eretz Yisrael, of not going to Eretz Yisrael, and the 38 years wandering around, that put off Tzivui number two from Tzivui number one, and that's Gnutam Shal Yisrael. He said, that's it. Imagine what an Avera is. A Gnutan Shal Yisrael. That they put off, not that they were wandering around in the desert. And not that all the people wandering around the desert were going to die, which was the, the punishment. But the Gnutan Shal Yisrael was that they somehow managed to put off the divine command. What divine command? That Yoshua bin Nun received that he has to also do Pesach. In other words, it would have been, had it not been for the Miraglim, that Bnei Yisrael kept Pesach but Shana Shenit, right? The Shana Rishona, there's Pesach. Shana Shenit, there's Pesach. And the next year they come there, so again there would be Pesach. That was the divine plan, so to speak. And that divine plan was messed up by, by Bnei Yisrael. It was messed up when they created that 37-year hiatus. That's what, the, that's what Tosot said. O Yeshlomar, the sphere like Aitana Damada Biakatuf Gabit Filin Mashma say mitzvah Zosha Bishvilati Kadesla Arts. Vehain Mashma Bia Dehtib Gabi Pesak. So he says, besides which, even though it says Kitavoel Haaretz, and Kitavoel Haaretz sounds like it means when you come to Eretz Israel, Tosvot, who knew Hebrew very well, somehow, he says Kitavol Haaretz could also mean something else. It could mean in order that you should come to Eretz Yisrael. Like put on tefillin, in order that you should come to Eretz Yisrael. Keep Pesach, in order that you should come to Eretz Yisrael. Because we know that these mitzvot, tefillin and Pesach, are not kept only in Eretz Yisrael. They're not mitzvot hatluyot ba'aretz, but they are regular mitzvot, chovot Hagever, Hagavra, or Haisha, right? Which is the same thing. Okay, so we'll stop. Then you can you can finish the you can finish the toast with Adiron. Let's look at the Rashbam. You see the Rashbam? Go back to the first page. The Rashbam, I told you, is a relative of Rashi's, right? And he was very close to Rashi. He finished the Perushim that Rashi wrote on the Gemara, and therefore he, you know, he was respected. In fact, the the, the work that he did, that the Rashbam did, is more similar to a kind of combination of Rashi and Tosfot. Whereas Rashi was able to maintain, you know, his methodological purity and just keep trying to explain the Gemara to us. The Rashbam was not always able to do that. And he was also interested in explaining uh, certain details which originally were left to Tosfot, right? You know, the Gemara, there's the Rashi side of the Gemara, and there's the Tosfot side of the Gemara. And the Rashi side of the Gemara, you can't move without it. I mean, it's not true that Schottenstein wrote the first commentary on Shas. Schottenstein is Rashi. That's what it is. It's Rashi. I mean, Rashi is... Uh, so the Rashbam did Rashi and Tosfut together. He did it together. But here on Chumash, he did Rashi. He just did Rashi. Now listen to the Rashbam, what he says about this Pasuk. 
Ve'asu b'nei Yisrael. This is in Pasuk Bet, but it doesn't matter. L'fisha Pesach Mitzrayim, lo nahag ela yom echad, ve'lo ayake sha'ar ha'korbanot. Ata, kshenivnea mishkan hutzrach, litzavot, sh'yasuhu, ki'ikar mitzvato lidorot, ve'lo kepesach mitzrayim. So the Rashbam, what question is the Rashbam dealing with? What question is the Rashbam dealing with? In light of all the things we've learned so far. I think that the Rashbam asks the question, and so why did God tell them to do Pesach on the second year? It was if, if Pesach and the Korban Pesach is connected to a historical event and to the korban that was brought at that time in the historical event. So the next time they should do Pesach is when all the other ingredients are in place. And when is that going to be? When the Beit HaMikdash is built. I mean, everybody knows that this is a temporary situation. Okay, could have been. HaKadosh Baruch could have said, no, you have a Mishkan, so do Pesach every time. But we've already seen that according to Tosvot, the Pesach that they did was ex- exceptional, uh, exceptional. Right? It wasn't a regular Pesach. It was commanded by God. Do Pesach now. Why? Why did God say do Pesach now? So along comes the Rashbam. And the Rashbam has an interesting idea. And his idea is this. He says, there was still not a Pesach to imitate. There was, Pesach is imitative, right? That's what we do on Pesach. We tell the story. How do we tell the story? We imitate the Yitziat Mitzrayim by telling the story, by eating the matzah, by eating the moror. Right? We're, we're like, we get involved in the story without getting into it too much because it's not Pesach right now, but that's what we do. We tell the story. Now by Yitziat Mitzrayim, there was also a Korban Pesach. But the thing is that that Korban Pesach is not the Korban Pesach that HaKadosh Baruch wants us to imitate on Pesach. And therefore, at this moment, year two, right, Nisan, year two, what was missing in the history of Am Yisrael? What was missing? This is all in the Rashbam, this like little Rashbam. What was missing in the history of Am Yisrael in year two? What was missing was the Korban Pesach that would have to be imitated later on. You know what that Korban Pesach is? You go and there's a Chabura that people get together. Everybody eats a Kezayit and you roast the Korban Pesach all afternoon until into the night. Right? That, that, uh, that didn't happen by Yitziat Mitzrayim. Yitziat Mitzrayim is a different Korban Pesach. They shechted the animal, they took the blood, and they put the blood on the doorpost. We don't do that, right? <laughs> well, I, I never heard of anybody doing it. Anyway, so, so we don't do that. Everything else we do is Pesach Mitzrayim. Everything. They had matzahs and they had moror in a, in a way or some way or other. And they ate and it was fast. And whatever they did, sleep. They, they did whatever they did. But the Korban Pesach, who invented the Korban Pesach? 
Who invented the carbon pestle that we imitate as long as the Beit HaMikdash is around? Right now. HaKadosh Baruch Hu said to B'nai Yisrael, listen, it's not over yet. Pesach has not always, hasn't been created yet. Let me say it that way. Pesach has not yet been created. When is it going to be created? When you bring the Korban Pesach on year two. How should you do it? Go to Moshe Rabbeinu. He'll teach you. He'll teach you how, do you how you do the Korban Pesach. Because you can't do it in the way you did it. Of course, this is a very interesting, interesting idea. And it would lead us into kind of a, a discussion like why and what was missing and what had to be changed, right? This is all very interesting, but it's more appropriate for Pesach. So, if we're still here on Pesach, we can talk about that. Now, let's look at the Rashbam again. Now look at the Rashbam, and you'll understand it. We know that. Pesach Mitzrayim was one day that they started running. Right? They left. Nobody asked about the Tchum, and nobody asked about an Eruv, and nobody asked about Bishol. They just... They were out, they were cooking their matzahs and they were going. Right, so that's not our Pesach. We don't do that. We don't imitate the Yitziat Mitzrayim. And then we also know, And we all know that Pesach has seven days in the Torah. So how do you get from Yom Echot to seven days? The Rashbam says, if you know, all of Kochim and all the Sugis and Shas about Korbanot, as he did, so you could say, Now you can go make a list. Right? There was no Kohanim, there was no Shechit in the, the, in the Mikdash, and there was no Zerika Saddam, and there was no, you know, it was different. It, was, it wasn't a Korban at all, exactly. I mean, if you compare it to Korbanot, it was just something special for that moment in history. And he says, now you can have a korban pesach because nevne hamishkan utrach letzavot sheyasu kikar mitzvot or mitzvato ledorot. Veloke pesach mitzrayim. In other words, there's a reason. There's a reason that Hashem wanted bnei Yisrael to have this experience because. The memory of Pesach and Yitziat Mitzrayim, the memory, the later memory of Am Yisrael, is the first year, that one day, and the second year, those seven days. So that the Rashbam answers a question that Tosfut brought, us, brought up to us, but Tosfut himself did not answer the question. That was, and so what did you need it for? So why did God tell us that? I mean, if, if there's no need for it, and if it's in the desert, and not there it's Israel, and all those questions. So why did they have to do it? Question, answer. It was part of Yitziat Mitzrayim. It was something that could not be avoided. What? Well, no, it's the creation of the history. The history was in place. You could have said, stop, Yitziat Mitzrayim is over. But apparently, no, Yitziat Mitzrayim continued Tzad Mitzrayim continued until the Pesach of the second year, right? That was part of Yitzhak Mitzrayim. That's the that's the what the uh, Rashbam says. That's what the Rashbam says. Now we're up to the Ramban. Let's look at the Ramban, and I hope we'll be able to. Okay, the Ramban goes through now.
all of this is a statement of the Ramban. Now you know that the Ramban did not like the principle of Ein Mukdam Muchad Baturad. I'm going to try to tell you why. But my why is very speculative, so you, you'll have to like it. I can't prove it, but I can speculate about it. The Ramban didn't like the principle of Ein Mukdam Muchad Baturad. So what does the Ramban say? The Ramban says, yes, it's true. That's what it says in the Gemara. Yes, it's true that they come to the conclusion of Ein Mukdam Muchad Baturad. But that doesn't mean that it doesn't make sense that the order of things doesn't make sense because according to Rashi, according to the Gemara, if you say it's Gnutan Shal Yisrael, so what does that mean? It means that there's a reason and then the whole thing got messed up. It, it, was, it was what sort of order, what sort of order are we looking for? Chronological order. Why is there no chronological order? Because Gnutan Shal Yisrael. But at the end of the day, there's no chronological order order. If you look at the Ramban carefully, the part of the Ramban we just read, what does the Ramban say? There's order. There's order. Chronological law is not the only order that ever existed. There's order of a chetzi. I mean, there's order. I don't want you to think, the Ramban says, what do you mean? You think that the Torah is not in order? I mean, how can anybody say such a thing? It's true that the order is not what we call chronological. But it's also true, the Ramban says, that the order is logical. And it's very easy to determine what the logic of the order in the book of Bamidbar is. Because at the end of Shemot, they built a Mishkan. And the book of Vayikra, we already said, has a lot of things to do with the Mishkan. And what is the beginning of the book of uh, of uh, Dvarim, uh, all kinds of other things have to do with the Mishkan. And of course, they had to count the people. They had to count the people at the beginning of the book of, Mish- of, of, uh, of Bamidbar in order to know how many there were and how many Levim there were and how many Levim, which family of Levim would do this and which family would do that. And then when you finish all of that, it's all schlepped along. Then the Torah says, Pesach. So it turns out that it's not chronological. But it's exactly the way it should be. And since the Ramban thought that even this case, this case, which is the case that the Gemara Psachim mentions, that even this case is logical, that meant for the Ramban that you really could never use the principle of Ein Mukdam Umuchar Torah if by using that principle, you would sort of indicate that the Torah is unreasonable in some way. Right? For the Ramban, that was inconceivable. 
for Rashi, it seems, the Rashi says, okay, you know, sometimes, sometimes you expect chronological order, you don't have it. Okay, good. That's the way the Torah is. The Ramban, the Ramban could not accept that position, and I'll try to explain that to you at the end. The Ramban could not accept that position. Here he says, he says, you look at the Gemara, says it, that's true. And it's true that Perak Tet could have been written before Perak Aleph. But it's also true that the way the Torah presents the material is perfectly reasonable. And reasonable, right, it doesn't have a hierarchy. Sometimes reasonable means chronology. And sometimes reasonable means content. Right, you know, you finish talking about one topic, and then you talk about another topic. And since the topic that was coming up, the topic of Pesach, was somewhat different than everything we had from the end of Shemos until this parasha. So it makes sense to the Ramban that the Torah made an exception about chronology. Right? Because there was a logic that was, was uh, impositional. Like it had to be that way. Right? It had to be that way. The last word on line 15. That's what somebody said, right? There's a Gemara in Yevamot. There was no Brit Milah practiced in the desert for some reason. It was everybody knows that you can't do the Korban Pesach if you're not uh, um, circumcised. That's what the Pasuk says. So he says, you can't, you can't, and therefore, they couldn't do the Pesach. Why weren't they circumcised? Because the Gemara said that they never knew when they would have to move on. When the, the cloud or the fire would direct them to move, and since after the Milah, everybody is sick, you know, has to, has to recover, and since they didn't know when they would have to go, so it was like a kind of a pikuach nefesh, so they never did Milah. so he is a cousin of the Rashbam, right? You would say. Because what did the Rashbam say? The Rashbam said that God had to direct us to do the Korban Pesach. God had to direct us to do the Korban Pesach because in the generations to come, we're going to do a different kind of Korban Pesach than a time of Yitzhak Mitzrayim. There was a kind of learning process that went on here. That was the position of the Rajban. What's the position of the Ramban? What does the Ramban say? The Ramban says, uh, the Ramban says, there's one thing about Yitziat Mitzrayim that had to be created in order that we should be able to fulfill the mitzvah of Sipur Yitziat Mitzrayim. And that was that there had to be one generation where the sepul was told. Like the people who, who left Mitzrayim, they had to say, I can't help myself. 
I have to tell my children. I have to pass it on. And it was according to the Ramban, and this is like an interesting argument, according to the Ramban, you had to create the Sipu Yitziat Mitzrayim is part of Yitziat Mitzrayim. In other words, when we do the Yitziat, the Sipu Yitziat Mitzrayim, whatever the reason you think is for doing the Sipu Yitziat Mitzrayim, for telling the story, that's what we do. We read the Haggadah and we tell the story. According to the Ramban, there's another reason. Because that was part of the experience of Yitziat Mitzrayim. And as far as we are imitating what happened at the time of Yitziat Mitzrayim, so we're imitating, we're also imitating that. And when did that happen? Here. That happened here. So according to the Ramban, there was something missing that had to be reintroduced into, into Yitziat Mitzrayim. And the thing that had to be reintroduced into Yitziat Mitzrayim, into Yitziat Mitzrayim was the story. The father telling the children. And these fathers were the ones who were there. They saw it. There weren't, it wasn't like a suffix for them. And so the way they told the story the way they told the story, right, which is 100% certainty. Because they were there. It's like somebody comes and says, you know, I saw the Grand Canyon. Right? So if you sell it to somebody who never saw the Grand Canyon and didn't watch Discovery or something, he doesn't know. He says, oh, it's, it's the biggest thing in the world. So if you say it with great enthusiasm, because you really know it's true, so there's a difference between that kind of story and the story that you hear secondhand, the third hand. So we are imitating on Pesach. We're not just telling the story. We're imitating the storyteller, according to the Rambam. And the, the, the point is that the storyteller, at that time, had absolute certainty that the story of Yitzhak Mitzrayim had happened. There was no tricky. There was no tricks there. He knew for sure that Yitzhak Mitzrayim had taken place, that HaKadosh Baruch had taken Yisrael out of, out of Eretz Yisrael. That's what, that's, what the, that's what the Ramban says. Now, where am I? V'hinei Abar Tchila, line 30. Tchila. V'ayaki tavol ha'aretz, l'omar she'ein mitzvah zo noheged b'chutzel ha'aretz l'dorot. V'achshav tziva she'inhagu ba ba'midbar. Okay, so the, this is a problem that was brought up by, by Tosfit. Valdat Rabotenu, line 34. That's the Gemara that says that they, they couldn't uh, circumcise because they didn't know when they would be moving on. Aval Sifri. Let me see the Ramban is like working his way through all of the Chazals. Amru, Vayasu et HaPesach Barishon, Megnut Yisrael HaKetuv Medabesh, Lo Asu El HaPesach Zebelvad. In other words, what's the Gnut? What's the Gnut? They didn't keep Pesach because of Pikuach Nevesh, because there was no Milo. There's no Milo, there's no Pesach, so they're, they're like Halachists. They're doing something that's Halachically correct, so why is that a Gnut? that's the Gnut. Gnut is for. That's cats? 
וייתכן שהגנות הזהו קלקלתם בעניין המרגלים שממנה נתנדו ולא נשבה להם הרוח הצפונית ולא מעלו לפיכך You know that I told you that the Ramban wrote a hakdama to each of the Sfarim of the Torah. A hakdama, an introduction. The hakdama to Breshit is found at the beginning of the, of the book of Shemot. And that hakdama is hakdama for Breshit and Shemot. In Vayikra, Vayikra. Bamidbar, Bamidbar. Devarim, Devarim. There are hakdamot. For all the books of the of the Torah, at the beginning of his perush, there's a very long introduction, very long introduction, which is actually a hakdama to Torah, not to a book of the Torah, but to the idea of Torah. What is Torah? What is Torah? And in that hakdama. In that Hakdama, the Ramban says the following interesting thing. The Ramban says, kula shmotav shel Okay. I mean, who knows what that means? Right? But it sounds important. You know, like, there, sometimes you hear something you don't understand when it doesn't sound like anything. But this sounds important. What is Shmotav? What is Shmotav Shel HaKadosh Baruch So everybody knows that HaKadosh Baruch has a variety of names. And everybody knows that the Kabbalists thought that the names, the different names of HaKadosh Baruch are not simply, uh, I don't know, whimsical. Like HaKadosh Baruch would sometimes call himself one name and some other times calls them a different name. But if you had some notion of what the nuts and bolts of existence really are, and the nuts and bolts of, of existence are called spherot. They're called spherot, and that means that somehow, somehow when God created the world, there was an infusion of godliness into that world, but in such a way that it was not so overwhelming. It didn't stop us from being creative and sometimes from being destructive. And so there's a very complicated system that the Kabbalists invented and developed which somehow tries to explain how this could be. How could it be that God created the world, God is in the world, and God is in charge of the world, and that the world at the same time could be quite a mess. Right, this is something that bothered them. They didn't they, they couldn't quite quite get it. So they created this system in which they they were able to explain to themselves that you could have God in the world, but in such a way that man could be destructive. Man slash woman. Man slash woman could be destructive. Man slash woman could be creative. Right? They could have you could walk around in God Aden. And everything could be great, and then you know you see this tree, and everything's not great anymore, right? 
So it was. We had this. We had this capacity. This is capacity is 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 about. Uh, it's about Sfirot. It's about the way God got into the world and the way God somehow left room in the world for man slash woman to do what he, she does, good and bad. Right? So that's an idea. That's an idea. And the Shmotav Shel HaKadosh Baruch Hu, as Eddie Kabbalist knows, are connected to the Sfirot. It was God has different names because God manifests himself somehow in ways that make it possible again for me to mess things up. Right? That's how, that's how, how it works. Now you know that there's a, a medrash. The medrash appears in Breshid Rabbah, which is not a Kabbalistic work, at least not to the best of my knowledge. That Estakel Ba'oraita Ubara Alma That HaKadosh Baruch looked into the Torah and created the world. That's, that's what the medrash says. So now, what's the Torah? If God looked in the Torah, created the world. So people like to say, blueprint. I must admit that I grew up and went to school and then went to college. I never saw a blueprint in my life. <laughs> but somehow, it's like a good word. It's not but it's the first thing that you have to, if you want to learn something, you have to be able to admit that you don't understand it. Once you admit that you don't understand it, you have a chance. So let's admit we don't understand. That somehow the Torah that pre-existed creation was in fact the source of creation. And therefore, what is the Torah composed of? The Torah is composed of letters. So that in some way, the letters of the Torah, the names of God, the Sphirot, all of these have something to do with the creation that we find ourselves with, within, and that creation has positive, you know, strong parts, and has faults, and we we act and respond to our uh, with our ability to do good and to mess things up a little bit. So the Ramban has to come and tell us what the Torah is. What's the Torah? I say, everybody knows what the Torah is. It's got stories. It's got laws. It's got uh, good stories, nice stories about nice people, and bad stories about bad people. Like, you know, it's like pretty regular. The Ramban said no. He says that the Torah itself is the Shemot of HaKadosh Baruch That means that the Torah is hiding behind a mask. And that mask of the Torah is things we understand. That's the masks of the Torah says. Listen, it's the first month of the second year. Let's do Pesach. Right? That's what it says in the Torah. So if that's what you think it says, you don't understand it. Not really. I mean, not that that's wrong. It just means that, that you know, just haven't got it. You haven't been able to taste what's really there. Right? So the Ramban said, what's really there? So I will translate literally. I'll say God is there. There is God. Where? So Ramban says, he explains it. He says, very easy. He says, the words are misleading. Bereshit bara elokim et hashamayim v'etahar. They're misleading. Because they seem to be talking about the beginning 
and about creation and about heaven and about earth. But he says, if you could really read the Torah, you would see a totally different text. I'm telling you, what am I telling you now? What the Ramban says in his introduction to Torah. This is what the Ramban says. Same Ramban that we're learning. Except it's over there. Not over here. The Ramban says, if you could really read, if you knew how to read, then you wouldn't be limited by the word dividers that we that we have. You wouldn't have to read Bereshit, Bara, Elohim, Et, Hashemayim, Et, Ha'aretz, but you could read and you can read whatever. You read whatever. And, and if you knew how to read that, if you knew what that meant, you'd really be learning the more essential Torah. That's what the Ramban thought. So it seems to me that there's one condition that the, the Ramban did not state, but that he could have stated about this theory that he had. And that was that the reason it's at least theoretically possible to do this is because the order in the Torah is sacred. It's perfect. Because it's God. It is God. It's not, it's not a cheshben. That's only on the level of simple reading of the Torah. You say, oh, you know, it was good for the Jews, it was bad for the Jews, it, you know, that it looks good, it doesn't look good, but it's on the real, on the real, every word is right where it has to be. Because that's the only way we're going to enter into the mind of God through those words and by fiddling around with them a little bit once we learn how to be fiddlers. Right? And that means for the Ramban that even if you hold a Mukta Muhabatara in certain places, you have to always emphasize the fact that Seder, that was a very big word in medieval Jewish philosophy that Seder is always intact. And that when you learn about the creation of the world, the thing that has to impress you is that the Torah tells us that first there was a first day, and then there was a second day, and there was a third day. Now the Torah didn't have to tell us that. Because what do we understand from all of that? Nothing. Nothing. What does it mean? Does it the first day God created? And the second day God created? So what? So... So does it mean something? You know, you know, the highest level of comprehension of that parish of Bereshis is when those little children come home from Gan with that drawing that has the seven pictures of what was created every day and they, they scribble on it with crayons. That's the highest level of human comprehension of those, of those psuki. But, 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 the, but order, order, that's, that's, for, that's clearly there. And so the Ramban said, Yes, but that's only on the level of the more obvious interpretation, the simplest reading of things. But if you could somehow delve into it, delve into the Torah, and, and understand that the whole Torah is the word of, of, of God, is equal to God, not only the word of God, but somehow it's equal to the Shemot of HaKadosh Baruch which means that the secrets of the real are all in the Torah, then then you would know that this whole principle of Ein Mukhtam Mukhabatara doesn't mean anything really. And what does mean something is Seder, that's the order, and the reasonableness, that's what takes priority according to the Ramban. Okay, have a good Shabbos.